This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Kathy Worthington. And welcome to the latest edition of Late Boomers. Today we have as our special guest, Shirley Novak, who has just published her first book, a historical fiction novel called The Story Of. Dot, dot, and, dot. I, and I'm Mary Elkins. Shirley's book, The Story Of, could be the story of so many people that emigrated to America from Eastern Europe. Shirley has accomplished a number of things before she published her book, and we're excited to hear all about them. Welcome, Shirley. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to meet you guys. Great to have you. you. We always ask our guests about their backgrounds and how they came to find themselves where they are today. Can you tell us how you got your start and whether you had some mentors along the way? You won't believe this, but when I was in the fourth grade, I had a fourth grade teacher who had just graduated college, Mr. Willett who were trying to find his family. Anyhow, Mr. Willett gave us um, a, a, a project to do, to write a poem about spring. And he was so impressed by my poem, he made me read it to the entire school. And he took me aside afterwards and said, you are going to be the next Shakespeare. He said, you have a book in you. You are going to be a writer. Huh? I was in the fourth grade. Uh-huh. I was going to, yes. I never (laughs) forgot it. In fact, the only acknowledgement in my whole book is to Mr. Willett, along with my poem. And Uh I'm trying to find he or his family, because it's not inconceivable that he is still alive. Uh He's probably 22 years old at the time. Uh And um, even if he's not alive, I would like his family to know what that I never forgot that. Yeah. And I always loved writing. And I was a child of the 50s, the 60s. And I wrote a lot of poetry. I had a guitar. I was Peter, Paul and Shirley. You know, Uh it was that was me. (laughs) I love that. And um, I always... But didn't you do a whole bunch of things before you wrote this book? Are you kidding? Because this is your first book. No. I I was a surgical assistant in research, and we were the we were the um, pioneers in operating on the unborn. We were oh. in fetal immunology at Boston Medical Center. We were the first ones to operate on fetuses. It was called you know fetal immunology, and that was my first profession. When funding got shut down because that's what we relied Uh on. I went on to teach anatomy and physiology at a medical, uh, like a medical assisting school. Well, that's fascinating. 
Wow. And after I had my children, I hired two designers to work for me, and they ended up hiring me to work for them. And so I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it the right way. Went back to school. I took one course a semester for nine years and got my degree in interior design, where I had an award-winning interior design practice in Boston. That's quite a leap. You think? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, how did that come about? Um, they They had a shop in my town. And I would go in. I mean, I'm a people person. Can you tell? And um, <laughs> I would go in and say, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And ultimately, they said, uh, we have to hire you. <laughs> so Nice. They hired nice. me. Serendipity. And then I had my kids. And um, we, we built a house in a resort area of Cape Cod. And at that point, my oldest was 15 years old. And I said, we need an excuse to stay here for the summer. Let's open a candy store because there was none there. And we opened a candy store and it had a celebrity (laughs) clientele. In fact, I have Cindy Lauper was our neighbor. Mm -hmm. And she gave my daughter her very own personal copy of True Colors. Before it came out. Oh, nice. um, Yeah, it's a birthday present. And so I've done a few things. You certainly have. Yeah. Yeah. Then, um, you know, it's we did that for seven years and then I got divorced. Had to sell the house on the Cape. And had to make a living, a real living. So I got my real estate license and did real estate to put my kid through college and um, was fixed up with my current husband, who is the light of my life. Oh, and, beautiful. Uh, yeah. And then I always had this book in me because my father had a very unique beginning, unlike other immigrants. <laughs> my father was born in 1904, Koretz, Poland. Um, I had two older brothers, but my father was, I was his love. I was his favorite, you know, because I was a girl and we were very close. Anyhow, when he was born, he was born to a mean, horrible, nasty, tyrannical father and a sweet and loving mother. When he was 12 years old, his father sent he and his nine-year-old brother to live in the care of a brothel. In Coretz, Poland. Yeah. That's pretty fascinating. So so his father emigrated to America and said, I'll send for you. And it took three long years. And during those three years, my father was raped by a Polish soldier in the brothel. That's true. And that is the impetus for my book. And that's the beginning. And that part is true. Most of the rest of it is fiction. But That's a powerful beginning. So, uh, on a, on a, book, go ahead. I'm sorry. In my book, I have him emigrating to America, which he did. He became a very well-renowned furniture maker, which he did. And somewhere in the book, the uh, Polish soldier comes into his shop. But that's fiction. Well, <laughs> we're going to ask you all about that book. 
We are, but I have a question first. Um, what is a, is it a synesthete? Okay, and a how synesthete. is that incorporated into life? What, how it's, I, I didn't even know I had it till I was 40 years old. A synesthete is someone whose senses cross each other. So when I see numbers, I see shapes and colors. And when I hear certain words, they have shapes and colors. Not all synesthetes have the same crossing of senses. But um, I thought this was normal. I never knew there was anything strange about this. Mm-hmm. Number seven, you know, is is green and sharp, and six is blue and soft. It's that's you me. actually see those colors while yeah. you're saying or seeing the numbers. It's one and the same. They have yeah, and words as and well. One night when my son was sixteen, fifteen, sixteen years old, he's watching TV, and he said, "Mom, you're talking about me." And I, he was watching a TV show, and it was all about synesthesis. He mm-hmm. also has synesthesis, but I didn't know that. And his lines cross differently than mine. But we looked into it. We researched it. There's tons of information on it. And we're called synesthetes. And it's more well, common to, than think. Does it make you uh, more sensitive to things around you also? Or is it just numbers? No, I can, um, I've been an interior designer for 38 years and I can walk into a room and I can tell you exactly where everything is going to go and how, what the sizes are going to be. I mean, I, I hang pictures without measuring. Would you come to my house? (laughs) I'm sorry, what? Would you come to my house? Sure, sure. (laughs) Well, we want to ask you you, you've touched on this already because we didn't get to this question quite fast enough, but I wanted to ask you what prompted you to write this book. I think I know the story of your dad now, but and how long did it take you to write it? Well, maybe there's more things that prompted you. I have a brother who is a very accomplished author and a historian, and he was hung up on, if you're going to write a book, it has to be factual. The dates, the everything, everything has to be perfect. And I tried. I tried. I looked everything up. I even went to Ellis Island. I looked up my father. I found it. And I said, you know, it's it's got to be more interesting than, than this. And I put it down. And then years went by. And I'd pick it up and i put it down. Finally, I decided I'm going to make it historical fiction. And my mind started to just go. And it was almost like something took over. And this was the pandemic. And I Uh sat down every day and wrote, and I wrote, and I wrote. And I don't even know where it was coming from, but it was coming from someplace. And when I was done, and that was the hardest part because this was my child, Uh I didn't want it to end. (laughs) <laughs> and is that so, your biggest challenge in writing it? I, honest to God, it took forever to do the end because I didn't want to stop. I had such a love affair with this book. And every day I would send copies down to my husband and he'd say, <gasps> and I'd say, no, you love me. <laughs> you know? But I had a couple of readers and they were so encouraging. And um, I'd never written a book before. 
I didn't even know the process of how do you find an agent? How do you publish it? I did not want to self-publish this book because I felt like anybody can self-publish a book. So I can't send it to Random House or Simon & Schuster because they're going to yell at me. They're going to they're just throw it out, right? They're not going to pay any attention. So I found a hybrid publishing company called Fulton Press. And I sent them the manuscript. They did not charge to read the manuscript. And they said, we'll get back to you in a few weeks. And they called me in three days. And they said, will you sign with us? <gasps> Not unusual. I wanted to ask you also One, how much research was involved before you could put it to paper or all this time that you were writing every day really, was a lot of that research? Not a whole lot because if you think about the 20th century, there was so much going on that it was very easy. It, it was hard to narrow it down to what was salient and what wasn't. Um, you know, it's, uh, and because a lot of it was fiction, I just had to go with, you know, unique dates, make sure that the places that I was talking about were real and the dates and the times and that kind of stuff. Where did you do your research? Um, well, I did go to Ellis Island and a lot of it is, Hey Siri. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm That's sorry. I, do research. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by, Hey Siri. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering what that was speaking from was outer oh. space. It's one of the balloons. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, it was so easy because everyone tells me how difficult the publishing process is. And it's hybrid publishing, which means you do have to put up some money up front. However, they, it wasn't a lot of money. At least I didn't think it was a lot of money. They do everything from soup to nuts. And they don't take a dime until you make it back. And you own the copyright? I own everything. They That's even great. let me design the cover, nice. which is, I understand is unheard of. That's great. Um, I and, have to ask you, going back a second, um, I'd yeah. love to know, I'm talking about being a synesthete. Um, synesthete, yeah. thank you. Um, did that affect your book at all? Did you see colors or did you actually see the backgrounds and the people? I mean, how did that work when you wrote? I think only because I became embroiled in it and it became part of me that I was, I walked three miles every morning. And during those three miles, I am formulating everything. I mean, I'm writing again, I'm writing another book right now. And um, it's not, I found it easier the first time. I'm not <laughs> in love with the characters like I was with this one. Yet. Yet, well, mm -hmm. we'll see. Um, but um, yeah, it's. Uh, well, I, I have to I ask you. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, <laughs> um, okay, I have to don't. ask you what 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 other challenges did this book pose for you on a personal level? Um, my family, because I was disclosing some things that they never knew about or that were true. I mean, I had a very close relationship with my father where my brothers did not. 
Um, and the part about the rape, I knew about, I had heard about, and they did not. And in my mind, my father was the most wonderful person. And in their minds, it wasn't. That that wasn't so. Really? You know, they had a different relationship with him. He worked seven days and nights a week. He was a laborer. And yet, I would find him sitting in my backyard sometimes just looking at nature. I would come mm-hmm. home and just find him sitting, you know, just looking. Dad, why don't you come in? Oh, I don't want to bother you. I don't ever want to bother you. I just love your backyard. And, uh, you know, things like that. They never experienced that from him. Uh And yet he was very harsh with me as a child growing up. I I, I remember I got a D once in school. I'm shocked I didn't get the guillotine because he was so angry. (gasps) That was, you had to be educated. You had to be respectful. You had to write home and hearth and education and things like that. And yet he didn't have it himself, but he knew the importance of it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about how you went about finding a publisher. Cause I think we've interviewed quite a few authors and I think we have a lot of writers as listeners, you know, I honestly, I just went online and did my due diligence. And when I came to Fulton press, it just looked very inviting. Um, I think they've only been around since 2013. And uh-huh. uh, I had nothing to lose because they took over right from the beginning, but I had full control. Uh-huh. And that was what that's I wanted. Nice. I because I really do think there's a movie in here. Oh. That's what everyone everyone tells me. Everyone says this should be a movie. So before I die Good. someday, maybe I don't. <laughs> they have Hollywood contacts. Uh, not yet. Uh, no, but um, <laughs> got to get it out there. But yeah, but it does. Well, it does. on that note, I mean, tell me a little bit about, or tell our listeners a bit about the experience of getting the book out into the world. Um, well, as part of as part of the contract with Fulton Press. They get it out on Amazon, um, by all the major sites internationally, you know, everywhere. And so it gets out on like Kindle, paperback, hardcover. And then I myself put it out an audio book. Oh, you did company. the audio? I, I did not do the audio. I hired, I, I interviewed readers because I once, I used to listen to audio books and I remember having a very bad reader one time and I said, this is the worst. It was a great book, but a terrible reader. So I interviewed and um, I picked someone and we conversed. And I think the the audio came out in July of this year, last year. What was the process of that? How many people did you interview? And tell us a little Um, about that. I I went to audiobooks.com. I went to audiobooks. And they sent me samples. And I'd say, no, not this. No, no. I mean, right away, you know. But there was this one guy. And I said, the only thing I don't like about him is he's too s- slow. He's slow. His voice is great. 
but I need his intonation to be different. I need him to speed up a little bit. He came through. He really came through. Also, he gave the narrator a um, an accent, oh. and the narrator didn't need an accent. So, but he had different voices and different accents for everybody. And nice. uh, yeah, everyone loved it. Who listened and what to it? What advice do you have then for aspiring writers? Don't ever, don't ever think I can't. You can, no matter what, you can. I mean, when I first graduated college, my first college, I had an associate's degree because that's all I could afford. And it was in laboratory science. And I found this group in the newspaper that was doing research on the unborn. And they were looking for someone with a master's degree. And I said, I have to work for these people. I have, I have to work for these people. And I went and interviewed with them. And they said, yes, we want someone with a master's degree, but your enthusiasm is so overwhelming because I read everything I could about them. Uh They said, we have to hire you. And they actually sent me to the University of Rochester to take a very concentrated course in animal hematology. And... I had that incredible background, which led me on to teaching. And yeah, so there's no such thing as I can't. That was very bold of you to do that. I think it's good advice to writers to do a lot of interesting things because you have a background and things to write about. You draw on it. I mean, Uh right. You you draw on these. What do you draw on? You draw on life experiences. Um, I wish I were younger right now and going through this, but. But then you wouldn't have had all those great experiences. That wouldn't be so. That's true. Good point. You know, I I feel very fortunate that I have, and I don't know what my next story is going to (laughs) be. You know? Well, that's a good place to be. It's, It's a good place to be, like life. You know, is there anything Uh that you'd like to do to go back and change about your life or about your book? I don't know, because I'm so happy at where I am right this minute that I don't know if changing something before would have changed the course of my life. I mean, you cannot live without regrets. There's absolutely there's no one on the face of the earth that can say I don't have regrets. But you learn from them. And um, I am I am basically a very, very happy person. I don't, you know, of course, everyone has problems and kids and all that other stuff. But um, I, I enjoy my life. I enjoy life. I enjoy waking up in the morning and saying, oh, my God, I made it another day. <laughs> <laughs> it's sunny out and I have a three-mile walk. Well, maybe sunny where you are right now, but it's boring where I am. It's but it's 65 <laughs> oh. today in Boston. Last 65. week it was eight below zero. Ah. Yeah, it's I know. just so startling. We've had that up and Crazy. down here too in Los Angeles. What would you say is next for you now? I'm writing my second book. Excellent. Can you talk about it a little bit? Um, it's, it's actually, it's not a sequel, 
but it carries on to the family of the main character and what goes on in their lives. And it's got a lot of murder and mayhem and stuff like that. This also, I mean, my first book has some love, murder, mayhem, all that kind of stuff. Hatred, love. This, I mean, every, Sounds like another movie. But what everyone tells me is that it it's, they can't put it down, that they just, it flows. And that's the biggest compliment to me I can have when you have wow. a book that you just want to finish. And it brought uh-huh. me here. Hey. It's, yeah. It did. Well, talking about that, is the writing process harder or is it the promotion of the finished book harder? I think the commotion <laughs> of the finished book is harder. Oh. Um, I start. I started taking a creative writing course about six years ago at a local school. And what has happened is it has turned, because of COVID and because of everything else, it's turned into a group of eight people, so diverse, you would never put them together in a million years. But we have become a writing family. And what happens is you learn to, tr- no one is allowed in this group anymore. We've shut it out. The poor teacher can't have any other kids, any other kids, any other people <laughs> in the group. Because we trust each- When you write, you have to be open and honest and you have to trust. And that's our therapy every week. We get together. We do prompts. And we, it's the most amazing thing I've ever done in my life. And my husband is the one who said, you should take this writing program. It's right down the street. You should take it. You should. And I said, no, I, I have enough to do. Like, uh-huh. Best thing I ever did. They have become my family. We have become each other's therapists. And it's all in our writings. I am so happy to have met you guys. This is oh, been a thanks. delight. Shirley, what would you like our listeners to have as our takeaway today, as a takeaway for them? The words I can't do not exist. Should have, could have, would have do not exist. Those are harmful words. You can't redo what you've already done. You can always just move ahead. So I can't is not in my vocabulary. You can. Anything. And yep. anything is possible. And um, just have a positive outlook. When I get up every morning, my cup is half full. That's perfect. And it's always that way. And Beautiful. that's the way it should be. Like, you know, it's like mentally I'm 12. <laughs> but chronologically, I'm really old. So um, <laughs> it's hard. You don't it's, look it. Well, thank you. But yeah, I'm pushing 77. So I really Good want you. to, well, but I want to make it. I want to do another book. I want to do a lot more. Good. So you're never too you old will. to, yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. Our guest today on Late Boomers has been Shirley Novak, author of the historical fiction novel, The Story of, and author of an upcoming novel. Yes. Okay. But it has to be the story of dot. Dot, dot, dot. Ah, right. And the reason for that is because at the beginning of the 20th century, 
all these immigrants came over and they all had a story. Everybody had a story. So this is the story of everyone. It's, it's whoever wants to have a story brought to the surface of their experiences. The story of dot, dot, dot. Perfect. And authors, people who would love to be inspired by Shirley, please listen in. And you can reach Shirley at Shirley Novak, N-O-V-A-C-K, at Facebook. Thank you so much, Shirley. This has been a delight and an inspiration. Thank you. We want to remind our listeners that we're now on video on our YouTube channel, Late Boomers Podcast. So please subscribe to our channel over there and don't be fooled by our competitors, the Late Bloomers. We are booming. (laughs) Boom, boom. (laughs) Mary usually does that part. Thank you. Please also subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any of our weekly episodes. And we hope we are inspiring you and entertaining you. Write to us, please, at our website, lateboomers.biz, B-I-Z, and please follow us on Instagram at lateboomers and at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins. Thanks so much for listening and thank you again, Shirley. Thank you for having me. for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to ewnpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact.